0: This is a Triple J podcast. We get better relationships through relationships, but only if you're doing things differently.
1: Chris, thank you so much for coming into the studio. Um, it's been a while since I've spoken to you. I'm really excited because when Pippa and I were talking about this Um, topic. We were like, do you know who would be the best person to talk on this? Psychologist Chris Cheers. (laughs) Uh, So
0: happy to be here. Just shout again. (laughs) So
1: yeah, we did an episode um, yesterday on this and and spoke about the fact that over 80% of people on our Instagram told us that they've dated or been in a relationship with someone who's toxic or maybe has like a lot of red flags. And that's kind of the norm of what they're used to. So now after being out of that relationship, they're really struggling to try and date people who are like healthy and maybe secure and nice and i just i'm like baffled by that stat like over 80 percent of people have been in that kind of relationship like the toxic relationship why is that so common like that's such a high stat
0: Yeah, and when we have stats like that, when it seems like something that's the norm, that normally means there's something going on with the way that our brains are built and that's probably not so helpful for us. So what happens in relationship is generally your brain cares more about familiarity than it does like a good relationship. So I'll explain what I mean by that. That like If you've had past relationships, be there family relationships, relationships in the past, if what is normal for you is like chaos or like red flags or bad communication, if that's what's normal, your brain kind of gets used to that. And then when it goes into adult relationships, even though it sounds like it doesn't make sense, it's going to want what's familiar rather than probably what's good for it or what's good what what good relationship looks like like your brain is desperate to try and like predict the future it's desperate to know what's coming like that's how it's safe and it sounds a bit kind of counterintuitive but actually if you go with what's normal to you like a chaotic relationship your brain can actually be better at predicting oh i know what's going to happen here I know what a toxic relationship looks like. I know what a, a relationship looks like with bad communication. And for your brain, that familiarity is actually what you get used to. And it actually feels in some ways safer in that than it does in a relationship that's new, that, that's unknown, like one that feels safe or good communication. So your brain in this case, like many cases, is actually not so helpful, maybe for getting the kind of good relationship that you want.
1: So it sounds like it's unfortunately a bit of a cycle of you're either grown up experiencing that kind of dynamic in your family or with your parents or your relationships, or it might be like your first relationship you ever you ever go into or, and and, and like maybe a bit of the culture where kind of sold this narrative of bad boy or like, you know, treat them mean, keep them keen, or if they're nasty to you, they must like you. Where is this attraction to this type and dynamic coming from?
0: In many ways, it's quite a fine line between like excitement and being in a toxic relationship. So what I mean by that is like it's when you start feeling like excited by something. Sometimes that's when something is sort of challenging or chaotic or like they're hot. There's, there's also this thing called the halo effect, which is sometimes the you can focus on the good thing really really focus on that good thing and ignore a lot of the other the bad things so you might be like oh this this person we had this one really good communication once, or they're really hard or, or someone told me that they're a really good person so you kind of focus on that and you just keep ignoring all the red flags along the way and that's what can kind of keep you in it plus if there's that excitement so it's almost like you know people are pre- pretty familiar these days with that dopamine high that you get from yeah
1: when you get the text message when maybe you never hear from them and then all of suddenly message and you didn't expect it.
0: Yeah. And when you think about it, if someone is really good at messaging, really good at communicating, then you kind of don't get that dopamine high because there's not that gap that you're waiting and waiting and then you get the message. So it's actually people who don't communicate very often, but just give you just enough for your brain can actually feel like a more exciting, you know, more dopamine high. So it can kind of keep you a bit addicted to that chaos because you're expecting that it's, you know, eventually going to come.
1: Do you think that, like you said, we remember those highs and just when we come out of it, forget that there were so many lows? Like say you're in, ex- you're in a relationship or you're in a situation ship or like you're casually seeing someone who, which I think so many people can experience is like you, like you say, hey, you never know when you're going to hear from them. You never know when they're going to hit you up and say, what are you doing? When can I see you? Like, it's just all over the place relationships that I've been in like that, there's so many lows, like there's so many tears, there's so many frustration, there's so many like venting to your friends who are sick of hearing about that person. But after it, like you you tend to not remember that, right? So is your brain somehow like trained to just remember like, oh, it was really exciting and all of these good things?
0: It's sort of like we we tend to focus and fall in love with the potential of a relationship rather than focus on what's happening in the present. Like, and a lot of the online space kind of adds to this, right? Like these days, you know, if you're dating online, sometimes you'll just get a little bit of information, like a picture or something about them. And you kind of start to create this potential in your mind about who this person is, what the relationship is going to look like. Then you might have a date and then you kind of start to imagine a relationship. And in many ways, your body and your mind can sort of fall in love with the potential of this. So, and you kind of create this. So even if there's a red flag early on or something bad happens in your mind, you're like, Oh, but, but they'll get better. Or there's, they're going to, you know, I think we've all kind of been in those relationships where we kind of want to save the person and, you know, we want to get them to be, you know, (laughs) so we fall in love with the potential. Whereas what we really need to do is focus a lot more on the present. So like, how is this person making you feel right now? how is this person communicating to you right now? How is this person responding to your stress and boundaries right now? So in many ways to to act against that, I think we need to focus a lot more on the present relationship rather than noticing and really noticing when our brain starts to think about the potential because you're not in a relationship with the potential, (laughs) you're in a relationship with the person who's in front of you
1: something that people said was that when they're now dating and they might be casually seeing someone or like starting a relationship with someone who is like healthier, secure, makes them feel safe, is consistent with their communication or whatever it is that there is no spark. And I feel like I spoke about this but I don't know how right I am, but like sometimes people misconstrue the spark and think it's like the chemistry, which I sure I'm sure it can be, but like is that also a little bit of anxiety?
0: That yeah. like you're used to, maybe? Sort of. As I was saying before, there's a fine line between, like, excitement and being with someone who's toxic. Like, yeah. someone that's challenging, only giving you a little bit every now and again can feel exciting, but that could actually be problematic. In the same way, it's kind of a fine line between, like, boring and a safe relationship. Like, where I think we use this language often to describe, I'm not really feeling the spark, or this person's kind of boring, or it's kind of going nowhere. Sometimes, it's you sort of step back and go, hang on, but is this person like got my green flags? Is this person communicating well? Do I feel safe with this person? Like, how do I feel with this person? And try to notice if you're getting lost in the language of, I need a spark, like all the time, like, Mm -hmm. because the way your body's built and your hormones are built early on, you'll feel that spark, right? Especially if you're having sex with this person, your body releases all these hormones and oxytocin and all this stuff that makes you want to be with them all the time and, you know, love with them. And, but that, You just at a biological level that fades. Like your body can't keep up those hormones for long. So it will always, with any relationship ever, it will always get to that point where it doesn't feel that exciting anymore. And when we're lost in a culture that tells us you're meant to feel, you know, that spark all the time, you're meant to feel feel that like real love connection all the time. So when it's not there anymore, you're like, oh, I haven't found the one. I need to find someone else that I feel that with all the time. Like that's a culture we kind of have to act against because actually when it comes down to it, when you sit down and think, no, what do I actually want from a relationship? It probably is someone who you feel safe with, who you can trust, who has good communication. And when you think about it, those things don't often make us feel really excited in the spark, right? So we've got to kind of start to think about rather than just focusing on well, I want to feel like this all the time, actually sit down and go, no, what? is a good relationship look like for me that hasn't maybe been in my past relationships and really kind of notice when you're getting that and try to feel good about that rather than just be hoping for the person that, you know, makes you feel excited all the time.
1: Mm, is that something that you should be worried about? Cause you mentioned like if you've been together for a while and that fades, but at the start, like we had someone who was like, Oh, it's three months in. I'm finding this really boring, but, and there's no spark, but I I can't tell the difference if it's because I'm not used to this stability and I'm used to like really dramatic, toxic relationships or I genuinely don't like this person or I shouldn't continue. Like how, like I totally get that mindset of being like, do I just persevere because this is good for me (laughs) and just see what, like give it time and see what comes out of it or should I cut and run? Like how do you tell if your brain's playing tricks on you?
0: I think a really good way to kind of test out a relationship early, like, is this going to be one that works, is actually try and notice how that person responds to you when you're under stress or when you're trying to, you know, have a boundary. Yeah. Like, actually, that's that's the good test. Not so much, you know, how this person maybe makes you feel all the time, or how good the date was, or how good the, you know, whether the conversation was like sparking and flowing, actually notice what happens and how this person responds when you're like, oh, I had a really bad day, or I'm really stressed right now, or where, where you had that stress reaction. How do they respond to that? And also, how do they respond when you try to set a boundary? Like when you try to, and th- this is where I, you know, I'm going to introduce the idea of a lot about this is is building a really you know good relationship with yourself and your needs first. So often we run into relationships because we think the relationship is going to give us what we need, or that we're going to find the person that's going to you know help us find what we need and you know um, feel feel good about ourselves. Relationships aren't the way we should feel good about ourselves. We need to develop that first. So if you're stuck in relationships, that you feel like, you know, toxic or they're going nowhere or that they just don't work out, it might be useful to take a step back and go, how am I feeling about myself? what am i doing to make myself feel you know to make myself feel strong what am i doing to feel that self love what am i doing to feel confident in myself because when you're in that space you're going to be much less likely to fall into that trap of kind of being with the person again that kind of is is toxic or not good for you but that that kind of you know self love you know it has to come first. You know, it sounds cliche, but you know, you've got to love yourself, you know, before you can really be there and be in relationships with other people. And yeah. I think that that can be a really helpful way to think about this as well.
1: Yeah. And, and reflect, I guess, on maybe what happened in the past, like spend time looking back and go, well, that was a bit fucked. Like, you yeah. know, what happened there and why did it happen? And what did I, what kind of baggage have I Taken into my new single life or dating life, and how is it impacting? Because I think for some people, it can be now that they have their guard up or their walls up or they don't trust easily. And so I think people can get freaked out when someone's being nice or they're being consistent or they're being secure. And a lot of guys, I know this is like, it can be any gender and in any dynamic, like people can experience these kind of relationships, but you know, the stereotype held out in our DMs where a lot of guys were telling us that they always get quote unquote called the nice guy and that they sometimes feel like they have to treat people a little bit mean badly just to get any sort of like dating life or the consistency from like people that they're interested in how do you deal with that scenario of just like yeah you you, one being the nice guy um but two being someone who like that freaks you out when someone is being consistent and nice to you
0: yeah i think this is where that fear of intimacy thing can come in for people like notice if you're someone who often goes oh you know they're, they're boring or they're just kind of too nice or or you know you' you experience that a lot, you know it might be worth thinking about how comfortable are you with intimacy and what what I mean by that is not just kind of sexual intimacy or like physical intimacy, but actually how comfortable are you of being vulnerable with someone else? because you know that that's what good relationships are all about the the ability to trust someone and to be vulnerable with telling them you know what you need and and what what you want in a relationship and how you're feeling. you know these kind of vulnerabilities. Uh, I, I really want intimacy and, and what a good relationship are all about. And sometimes when we're with someone where we could actually do that, if we're not comfortable with vulnerability, we're going to make up a reason why we can't be with that person, you know, because we're really afraid to just be vulnerable. And, and when someone, especially the nice guy, mm-hmm. and I think I can relate to that. I think I spent all my twenties being labeled like the nice guy. And when it was always, you know, I would go on dates with people and it would be like a first date. And, and, you know, a guy would be like, uh, oh, you know, you're you're really good, you're a really good person, but I'm just not really looking for like a relationship right now. And yeah. I was like, we're on a first date. Like yeah. how did I how did I create this already where you're, you know, you're you know, you don't want to, you know, you I'm just this relationship guy like straight off the bat. And I think it's because I've always been someone who's quite comfortable with vulnerability, quite comfortable yeah. with, you know, and I care, you know, I'm a psychologist. I, I tend to care about people. I want to make people feel safe and, and for people to trust me. And early on I think I dealt with a, you know, a lot of men in their twenties who weren't ready for that. They just weren't ready for like that kind of safe, you know, vulnerable kind of relationship. So, you know, they, you know, know, just kind of went running all the time. And I think, but what I've noticed though, is now I'm in the, you know, thirties, just, <laughs> you know, <where laughs> yeah. that things start to shift. Like I think yeah. people go through and it's, re- I really want to validate this, that, that your twenties and early, you know, it should be about experimenting with your identity, experimenting with the kind of relationships you like, like it it should be all about that. And I think once we get a little bit older, we start to know, hang on, this is what I, maybe this is not what I desire, mm. but this is actually what I need in a relationship because sometimes our desires early on, aren't to be trusted in some ways. Like they, they, they can, you know, we've got to kind of notice them and notice how much, you know, value we're giving to them. Are we focusing too much on that, that spark and that desire? Yeah. Or are we able to have that? You know, we should all feel those things, but we've got to keep our attention with our list. You know, I, I really suggest people kind of have a list of like, you know, the red flag, green flag thing is becoming a little bit unhelpful in some ways yeah. because i don't think we're using it how we used to use yeah. it like red flag used to be if someone has a red flag you stop dating them yeah. like that like it was a lot more like that whereas now it's a bit, a little bit less meme
1: culture yeah yeah so
0: i think another way i, I like to kind of use the term like non-negotiable i.e yeah. like um write a list of like what are your non-negotiables like what do you just like not a long list but like just five like what do what have i learned through my relationships that i need in a relationship and early on in dating or when you meet someone, you know, lose yourself to the last, lose yourself to desire, but make sure you look at that list every now and again mm. and think about, is this person doing both those things for me? Am I feeling this desire? But also, you know, are they someone who meets, you know, what I've learned through through my life that i need in a relationship
1: something else that people told us is that maybe they have been now in a really healthy relationship they really love the person that they're with it obviously might feel different to what they're used to it might feel a bit you know quote-unquote boring or stable and they're finding that because they're in the past used to the like drama and toxicness and ups and downs that they're self sabotaging their current relationship, or finding ways to create drama and picking fights, or like picking problems and reasons as to why this isn't working. For anyone listening that's dealing with this right now, yeah, how can you how can you deal with this?
0: Well, first step is noticing it, noticing that, and it's good to notice that that you're feeling you know, whether it's boring or the relationship isn't feeling like what you want it to feel. And and you've got this need, try to notice what your need is. Your need might be for excitement or, or drama or whatever it is, But the the next step then is noticing that your relationship doesn't have to give you everything you need in life. Like we can get a bit lost in this culture that like you just find the one and that person is meant to be your everything. They're meant to offer you, you know, hot sex and also stability and also listen and be there for all your needs and support you in every which way. One person can't do that. So sometimes when you're, you know, in this relationship that might be stable, it's it's meeting your needs, it's like good communication. But if you're feeling this need for like excitement, or maybe you need to go and get that somewhere else. You know, maybe... It doesn't just have to be a relationship where you can get excited. Go and create drama somewhere else. Go and, you know, do something somewhere else so you can really care and be in this stable, good relationship for you. But if you're needing something else, try and think about other ways you can do it that aren't going to sabotage this relationship. Because, you know, and, and this is, you know, I'm someone who's poly. I'm ethically non-monogamous. For some people, that's the choice you make. You're like, let's be, you know, maybe I'm looking for a different kind of sex or maybe I'm looking for something else. So maybe that can be an entry point to get what you need. But sometimes maybe it's just about having a holiday with mates or reconnecting with other relationships in your life because the culture around us can focus way too much on like the one this one person. And we can forget that we have all these other relationships in our life that are also important and can be places where you can get that fun, that drama, that excitement, that dopamine sort of stuff. Um, it doesn't mean you should never get it in your relationship, but it just means that you know it's a huge burden to put on one person to be your exciting everything and also your like stable everything. Like try and think about other places you might be able to get it as well.
1: Reality TV—that's <laughs>
0: exactly. a good
1: one. If you're not getting, if you're not getting the drama in your own love life, it's plenty of drama on the screen. <laughs> um, what if you're the partner of someone who is struggling with this? Like maybe they've got a a toxic ex, or they've had a really hectic upbringing and in the, in their family. How can you help as a partner?
0: I think the first step is if if you're a partner of someone who who you're seeing this that they're you know feeling bored or or that they're you know you think that they're maybe not seeing you as exciting or or you're not repeating the patterns of the past that 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 have been problematic and. And they're not really noticing that. I think the first step is, is have, you know, honest conversations with this partner, with this person and see if they're wanting to do the work. Are they wanting to, to develop a new kind of relationship dynamic that isn't like what they've had in the past? And if that's the language they're using, if they're saying, you know, there's this part of me that, you know, wants to repeat these problematic things, but it's different with you and I really want to make it work, but it's hard for me. If that's the kind of thing they're saying, then that's when you as a partner should step in and kind of try and support. You should step in and sometimes it's about helping them notice like when they're going to that place. You know, sometimes it's about, you know, taking a time out. Like if if you're feeling that the conversation is going to an unhelpful place, like have your word that communicates to both of you. uh, We're repeating that thing again. We're going down that path of thing. Like work on those strategies. But... If the partner isn't having, are they not using that kind of language? If they're not saying, I want to do the work, if they're not saying like, I don't want to repeat those problematic patterns, and it's just you, the partner, thinking that they want to do the work or thinking that they want to change, you've got to notice that because that's when you can get a bit lost in trying to help someone who's not really ready to do it. And that's when the relationship is, is not really destined to, to be a good one for both of you. That's when often you might have that dynamic where you start turning into like a carer or a support person. Mm. You start to put your needs out the window and you just start to focus all again on that idea that you're falling in love with the potential of the relationship rather than the actual relationship that's happening and we really have to notice when that's happening because that can lead to really problematic patterns too
1: it's a really confronting moment when you had a toxic dynamic in your last relationship with your ex and then you realize that like you've now brought that into the new relationship with someone who's really healthy and secure and safe and then you know you're like oh i'm i'm the problem now like i'm i've like got all of this baggage from that, that I'm now putting onto this person. Yeah.
0: Sometimes, hi, it's me. It, I'm the problem. I'm it's the me. problem. Is you me. know, you've, you've got it. That this culture we have sometimes of saying like that person's toxic mm. or that person's red flags. Just take a step back. Whenever you're saying that, And also think about what am I doing to contribute to this dynamic? I think with relationships, it's a lot better to focus on the dynamic of the relationship rather than just all the time on, you know, that person's got a red flag, that person's flag. They did
1: this and that and this means that and, you know. Right.
0: Like, yes, you should notice when someone's, you know you know, being emotionally abusive or they not being there for it. You should notice all those things, but also notice what you might be doing that's contributing to that dynamic. And that can be a really hard thing to do, but a really helpful thing to do if you're wanting to change, you know, the kind of relationships that you're having.
1: So it is possible, right? Like you can rewire your brain.
0: And the really beautiful thing is that we do that through relationships. Yeah. We get better and we develop secure attachment. We get better relationships through relationships but only if you're doing things differently. And that's the thing is is to know that to be and to create a different relationship dynamic is going to be uncomfortable. And this is where it starts to feel weird, right? Why does it feel uncomfortable? to try to do a relationship that's good for me? Why does it feel uncomfortable to try and, you know, be there in a different way that's actually better for me? It's because your brain feels more familiar with that chaotic thing. So it's gonna feel uncomfortable to be vulnerable. It's gonna feel uncomfortable to like communicate well, but but these things can be practiced and these things, are, you know, you can heal in that relationship and you can get to a more secure relationship, but, but it really takes, you know, doing that work and, and knowing that these uncomfortable emotions are a really normal part of the process of trying to, you know, get a different and a better relationship.
1: Honestly, I could talk to you forever. I've got so, yeah, there's just like so many things that we could chat about with this topic, but um, yeah, I'll, I'll let you go. But I appreciate you, yeah, having this chat and, and I know it'll be so helpful for so many people, including myself.
0: Thanks, Dee. Always a pleasure.